0: They are looking for older leaders, chronologically superior leaders, that will come alongside them and disciple them and help them and guide them. Uh, They have all the passion in the world.
1: Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jonathan, your content producer over at Stay Fort Designs. I'm excited to jump into our episode today. It's a deep one. And so I hope that you um, really slow down Take a pause with what you're doing this morning as you're hearing this, wherever you're at. If you're at home, if you're driving, if you're on vacation somewhere, this is a really good conversation. Um, we're dealing with the topic of grief and loss and what it feels like when you're at the bottom. Um, there's a lot of encouragement here. There's a lot of really great nuggets of leadership gold between this conversation with Alan and Luke Lazan. So really, sit back, slow down, take a pause. We've all felt lost this year and we've all been trying to get back up on top and gain traction and take next steps forward And I firmly believe that the content in this episode will help you do so So i'm excited for you to hear this conversation. It's very real. It's very poignant and it's very timely So sit down take a pause refill your coffee wherever you're at Listen to this episode once twice invite a friend and enjoy today's episode with alan riggs and luke Lazan talking what it feels like When you're at the bottom Luke,
2: thanks for coming on the podcast, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. It's good to be on, bro.
2: Well, everybody has everybody's lost a lot. We were just talking about that before we started recording. Um, it's different. We're all grieving different things in this season, and um, it was it was interesting. We were actually together with a group of leaders as we kind of realized this thing is is really a thing. We're start yeah. we we're starting to realize some of the things we we're going to lose together, and even a Trip or retreat we were supposed to be on that next week we we're really looking forward to um, yeah. didn't happen so these are strange days um, talk a little bit about loss right now kind of what you're what you're seeing um, out there uh, for yeah. leaders but also some of the things that you're experiencing within yourself uh, things that you're grieving right now
0: yeah I think man you know the thing that we were kind of talking about earlier is just particularly with the with the losses during the quarantine it's it's hard because you try not to measure. Uh, one loss versus the other, but I've just, I think specifically for leaders, just had a heart for the fact that they're kind of having to work overtime in a season or situation where a lot of people are maybe able to find a little bit more rest. Uh, Not to say that leaders can't find rest in it, but there's a lot of leaders that are having to scramble to figure out, um, I hate the word new normals, uh, but just ways to engage uh, the people that they lead, the businesses that they run, the churches that they're, you know, pastoring. And it's been a lot of, I think, heavy lifting on the front end. Don't know what this looks like moving forward, but I just, I feel for them that they maybe were already exhausted and it's maybe just now four or five weeks in where they're maybe able to get a little bit of rest themselves. And so I I grieve that for them. Um, But on a personal level, uh, I would say just just momentum. Uh, i hate I hate the idea of always kind of living in the future, but it's something I struggle with. I think a lot of people struggle with. And uh, i I do tend to have like a destination addiction. like once I get to X. Uh, then I'll, then I think things will be better. If I get to Y. well, then things are going to be where I want them to be. And uh, I just felt like there was a lot of momentum going into this year for Lindsay and I, and it's not that the momentum has slowed. It's just that there's a little bit more uncertainty. And so um, we've just been, we've been battling that. Um, you know, of course there's There's some like I I would say income dips, but we're not spending any money, you know. So it's just it's a different and a difficult time to be leading anything. And the the thing I don't want more than anything is for leaders to come out of this and be going. I am more exhausted coming out of this than I was going into it.
2: Yeah, man. There's a lot of tired leaders right now, and it was interesting last week. Uh, Luke, I spoke into leaders lives and said, if you don't fight for your rest, nobody else is going to. And actually, some of them took two days off. Uh, One of them even went to his boss took four days off. um, And they just gave them, you know, kind of a mental health break and said, you don't have to use vacation. Um, Just sit at home and do and be and recover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody initially was saying, oh, this is like introverts dream, but introverts are saying, I feel very trapped. There's people around me who need me, especially if you're parents. Um, So let's just admit, this is hard for everybody. We're all grieving different things. So with that said, uh, kind of priming that, wanted to have a little bit of fun, wanted to start with a quarantine lightning round, and then we'll head into the other stuff. So um, feel free Uh, To answer these as honestly as possible, we will fact-check Lindsay after this. Just a quick note. So, Luke, approximately how many days during quarantine have you worn real pants? And sweatpants do not count.
0: Oh, my word. Do joggers count? Probably not. Uh, They're Uh, sweatpants. They're they're glorified sweatpants. Um, I I honestly can say maybe for a total of seven days. I've either been in like shorts or joggers, sweatpants, things
2: you're a better man than I what's been the worst (laughs) thing about quarantine for you personally
0: oh not being able to go to the gym has been really bad having to work out at home I it's a it's a big thing for me to be able to I hate working out but I know it's good for me and not having that space has been very very hard for me and Mm. no Mexican food no Mexican food has been
2: tough I gotta throw that in there let's be real about that All right. Um, besides Cheetos, uh, what's been the best thing about quarantine?
0: I definitely think it's been the, it's been the, the restful free time, uh, that I've found over the past probably two weeks. Uh, just, just giving myself a pass, to be able to do that. I don't do that very well. Um, and my wife, it's really more my wife who has been like, you have to do this or I'll kill you. So, um, just, just doing that, watching movies, uh, calling it a day at three o'clock, some days, things like that have been incredibly
2: life-giving for me. How many days did it take you to watch through Tiger King? (laughs) I love the assumptions that I've watched Tiger King
0: and I have, Uh, It took us about three days to finish Tiger King.
2: Mm. If we ask your wife, Lindsay, how good your attitude's been during quarantine, one to 10, what would she say? Mm.
0: About a four. Probably a four is what she would say.
2: Yeah, Yeah. we're trying to be real here. Thanks for the honesty. Honesty first. And last question, what are you most excited about for after quarantine?
0: Man, I'm most excited for church. Uh, I'm most excited for uh, the possibility. Uh, well, I guess the the reality at that point of being able to gather with people, man. Um, not just to be able to preach myself or anything like that, but truly just to be around people. Uh, I think there will be different fervor there, and
2: I'm I'm excited about that. Mm, agreed, uh, man. Well, there's there's a lot of fruit right now. There's a lot of spiritual fruit uh, online and relationally. There's deep hunger that we're seeing right now. Um, Have loved getting to know the crew at Initiative Network. Have had several initiative leaders here in the podcast. Had Monica, Grant, and Kirby in uh, future or in past podcast episodes, and we'll have more on in the future. Um, But I want to dig into that just a little bit. Luke, what's some of your heart for seeing the next generation really connect and um, ultimately see a greater kingdom impact. Why did you join forces with initiative and why do you spend so much of your time bringing leaders together?
0: I think we're at a critical junction in, uh, I think, American history and church history, particularly where those collide uh, with the next generation. There's no There's no sense in going into all the doom and gloom on here about the numbers with the next generation and their lack of involvement in church or anything like that, but it it is what it is. And so we have a very, very small window to not miss an entire generation of potential believers in the church. And so uh, obviously we know uh, scripture says things are going to get harder as time presses on and we move closer uh, to that day when things are all said and done. But Uh, it's, it's been a real big thing on, uh, I think all of our hearts that are involved with initiative, whether you're employed there or you're just a part of the network, even you, Alan, just to go, you know what? Um, a lot of people knock on the next generation and I'm not even going to say they're wrong. A lot of the things that they have to say are right, but we need to be unified in what we're doing moving forward with the next generation because we can just keep knocking them and miss them, or we can come alongside them. Uh, and I say this as someone who's, you know, kind of a part of that, uh, and bring everybody together and say, "Listen, everyone says we're narcissistic. Uh, that might be partially true. What can we do, <laughs> you know, to to really change the narrative, to flip the script there?" And so, you know, yeah. uh, I think one of the big things that we're really trying to do is teach people, like, "Hey, how are we going to leverage our lives for the gospel in this?" You you do have uh, a powerful voice. You do have of the ability to make a big impact. Uh, but you can do it, uh, better through the church for a better mission, uh, and be uh, with people who really are completely and totally moving in one heart, one soul, one mind for the same message. And so that's what we want to do. Uh, we want to make a, make a move for the kingdom in a way that people would look back on this time in history and say, you know, they weren't the only reason, but when those people came together, uh, they helped save a generation of the church.
2: There's a lot, lot, lot of influence coming from those folks. And I love being around uh, folks who are, and I wouldn't even say that I'm old, but younger, and especially in terms of life stage Mm -hmm. and phase, utilizing singleness for the sake of the gospel, Mm -hmm. utilizing mobility for the sake of the gospel, social media, digital channels, whatever that is, there's been some amazing um, things just to watch. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some amazing things to watch. Just the, um, the collaboration happens at, at very much a macro level when you can get people together. So Luke, I love what you're doing. Also, you find what you're looking for. So if you come in gloom and doom, you come in looking for things against the next generation, you will find it. That's always been true of every generation looking back. And yet if you come in looking for what God's doing, you'll be blown away by it. There's some beautiful things happening there. I wonder, Luke, before we get into um, your book, would you just share um, on behalf of your generation to older leaders, let's say leaders over 45, um, who who maybe do feel down on the next generation? It's easy to read one more article about millennials or whatever. Would you just share uh, for leaders over 45 what your generation is looking for, and what could be really helpful to the next influencers coming, moving, and shaking?
0: Yeah. You know, I think the big thing that we're all looking for, and you've experienced this, Alan, so you can testify to this truth that they are looking for older leaders, chronologically superior leaders that will come alongside them and disciple them, and help them, and guide them. Uh, they have all the passion in the world. Uh, They've got influence that is whether, whether that's something we think is a good thing or a bad thing, they have it Uh, and they don't know what to do with it. Uh, We have all these people that are incredibly gifted, incredibly passionate, and you know, they are really looking for stability in areas where they lack because you got to understand too. I mean, this is the fatherless generation as well. So you've got, all these people with passion, influence, power, but they lack resources. They lack wisdom, and they want to know how do I leverage my life. Uh, they want to know. They want to know simple things. They they're like, how do I invest money? They they do not know uh, a lot of basic things that I think uh, older generations would say. How do you not know this? Why are you not doing this? They need guidance. Um, And if we can get them in a position to where they are really in a position to succeed because of the, the path that has been blazed for them by these older generations of leaders, they'll be unstoppable. And hopefully we can lay the groundwork for a generation that comes after us in a way where that generation will do better than we did. There's so much competition in life. Um, I hate to say that in ministry, it feels like there's a ton of competition sometimes and uh i just i want to see everybody get to a point where we can go i want the generation that comes after me to do better than i did <laughs> you know uh because it's not about it's not about me um we really want people generations after us uh, and i would hope for older generations it's the same answer that they want the generations that are coming after them to be completely and totally on mission uh for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what we want. And so, uh, that would be my thing to, I know that, um, they probably don't have the time to have people come and find them and, uh, or to go out to other people and be like, Hey man, can I disciple you? But just to have a posture and a willingness to do that, I think
2: is a huge, huge thing. Mm, that's good. We have no space and no right to be competitive, to be anything but collaborative, to be anything but raising up the next generations. Don't forget about um, those that come in Gen Z and those yeah. who are already um, counting the cost of their faith that will cost more than past generations. Um, love that, Luke. We'll continue to, to be talking about that, interviewing some leaders from Initiative on here. Luke, talk about your book. As an author, I know that these aren't just quaint ideas that start somewhere. A- and this book was deep and written from a place of pain. So where does the message of your mess matters come from in your life?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I always wanted to be an author. Uh, but you know, I wasn't exactly sure if I had anything to say. And you, if you pray for something to say, you know, sometimes God will give it to you in a way that's not the most fun. Um, heads up, get ready. And for me, um, it was crazy. Uh, the, what God has, he deals with us. I feel like specifically, like you don't deal with one kid the same way that you deal with another, uh, you, you know how to approach them differently. And, and for me, God has always used a lot of uncertainty in my life, uh, to really just help me balance the scales of my trust a little bit better. And so there was a time about four years ago now where, uh, I just came down with this, unbelievably mysterious illness that just befuddled doctor. I mean, they just couldn't figure it out. I mean, tests I had, I, I say in the book, I mean, I had endoscopies, colonoscopies. If there's an oscopy, I had it uh, to try and figure out what is going on inside of this guy where he's losing weight at a rapid pace. Uh, he's just, he just looks emaciated. Uh, I lost 50 pounds uh, at my worst point And I mean, I was just kind of a shell of myself, couldn't work, couldn't do anything for six months. And in the middle of of all of that, uh, I I wish I could sit here and say to you, man, that I handled it super well. Uh, And I had like days where I did better than others. But overall, if it was a pass-fail, I would say I failed. Uh, But the good thing is God, I don't think, was looking for me to pass or fail that. I think he was just getting me to realize um, where, where my, my trust had to be, where my faith had to be, because, um, I had had a lot of success early on in life, in ministry. And, uh, I think God really broke me of pride of self, uh, and not even necessarily that I was the most arrogant person walking the earth or anything like that, but just where it could have gone, um, as more opportunities came along. And so it was, it was just crazy dealing with this, Uh, issue and right smack dab in the middle of the uh, illness that I was dealing with, which turned out to be a parasite, by the way, Uh, they just couldn't find it. They thought I had cancer at one point because my white blood cell count was high. And because um, you know when your white blood cell count is high and you're losing weight, it's a bad, bad combination. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so they ended up finding out it was a a parasite, but in the middle of it, I had no clue what it was. And I was preaching uh, at a church. I was the associate pastor at a church at the ripe old age of 23. And the pastor came to me, head pastor, Matt Slaughter, and said, Hey man, I know you're not doing hot right now, but I just got to tell you, I am tired after three months straight of preaching. Is there any way you can get up there and preach? He's like, I can bring someone else in. He's just like, I don't know. Maybe there's something that you have to say, uh, in the middle of all this. And I was like, yeah, I, I want to try it, and I did a three I did a three week series that absolutely zapped me of all energy. Uh, but it turned into this book. I just kept writing it, you know uh, i I literally uh, did the sermon series was called "By Dirt and Blood," and just about how God works in the messiness of life and what what that uh, looks like, and just being honest about it and real about it, uh, because I think so so often. Um, we're, we're not honest and it makes it very difficult to follow God when we're for other people, when we're not honest about our journey. And so I just got honest about mine, uh, and, and just how God was meeting me, uh, in it, but he wasn't just meeting me in it. Uh, I really tried to steer away from the victim mindset of just like, Hey, I am a victim of my circumstances and I'm in this mess and God met me in it. And he's just holding me there. Um, I want, that's not a good story. Uh, and it's not the gospel story. The, the story is that God met me there and he yanked me out of it. Uh, and he did it in a graceful way, a compassionate way. He cried with me. He sat with me. Um, but he moved me. Uh, and in some days it felt gentle and some days it, it didn't feel gentle. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, the things that I'm seeing on the other side of that, uh, it's just it's just a garden full of life, uh, but it did not feel like we were gardening at the time. To, towards anything that was going to be fruitful.
2: Mm. So, what were some things, Luke, that you learned in that season that you couldn't have learned any other way except through pain?
0: Well, the first thing that I learned is definitely that, um, and I think honestly, the quarantine's a good is indicative of this. That we are so feeble in our own strength. At our at our highest moments, when we feel like we are just soaring and sailing, uh, we're weak. And I think it's it's funny when you know when we read Paul talking about weakness or anything like that, we think there's just like a specific moment of weakness. And I think it was coming to the realization: I don't have weak moments. Uh, I am a weak person because I'm a person, um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just if if I can empty myself of the idea and the thought process that this is this is this is me and my life and I'm going for it and I'm going to do more, be more, hustle more. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to end up being everything that I'm supposed to be under God, uh, and that's not a life of flourishing. And so God really broke me of the idea that my life was mine and that everything that was happening was a result of. Uh, you know, God, but me, but God, but me, it was like, you know what, I I really need to be living a life that's all glory to God. And so that was one of the big things. But I'd I'd say another thing too, is just coming to the realization that you know what, Um, at the end of the day, it's there are some hills that I would die on that I just don't die on anymore. Uh, Things that I would get mad about things that I would get frustrated with. And it just it just gives you a different outlook on life, and it makes you more
2: compassionate towards
0: other people and their circumstances as well.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Pain always unites us with other people. I mean, it's that mm-hmm. gift that you know we'll be out with our neighbors, and sometimes thinking I have nothing in common with these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we didn't live in proximity, or their kids go to school with our kids, if we didn't drink coffee together on Friday mornings, I would not know what to talk to them about. Right. We are so different in every way. When all else fails, talk about pain in your own life and it will just magnetize other people. So can yeah. you share a story of somebody who was just magnetized to, to your life, maybe an email you got, somebody you've talked with or prayed with that you sharing your own pain allowed them to be able to begin healing from theirs?
0: Yeah. And I think that I don't this is, this sounds horrible. I don't remember the name of this person, but you get messages afterwards, you know? Um, and it's funny that you, you throw the book out there or do you want to me- I have plenty in the middle of not just after the book, but in the middle of the, of the moments too. Um, but there was one specifically after I released the book. Um, and I've, I've been through it, you know, where I got a message from one girl and she just said, uh, hey, I'm I'm reading your book, and I just want you to know, my mom and my dad both died within a year of each other, and I didn't think that I was allowed to feel the way that I felt. Uh, that I couldn't go to God with some of these uh, these feelings and these thoughts and these emotions. And I just I just want to let you know I'm not like everywhere where I need to be, uh, but I do feel like that I can. I I can start talking to God again. And I'm just like, well, that's Mm. the whole thing, (laughs) you know, Mm. um, as if, as if like what, like God didn't know already that you were feeling that way. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a necessary thing. and It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and it was amazing. But, um, even as I was going through that situation, you know, uh, you got social media, Alan, and you're, you're saying what's going on with you and updating people to a degree on, you know, how you're de- doing and all those kinds of things. And just the the way that you said it, I think, is so true. It, it magnetizes people to you in a way where they start to just kind of share their own stuff, um, stuff that you didn't even know about them. And so, I mean, there's, there's countless stories uh, of that. And, and people were dealing with things that were way harder than the stuff I was going through. Um, but just just the ability to be honest and, and share and be vulnerable and give God glory in the middle of that, uh, that moves people. And it moved a lot of people, thank God, just through everything that I went through.
2: Mm, it does, man. And um, I know that slowness is another thing, especially when we're young we're used to having strength yeah. and being able to, you know, hustle it out ourselves. But when God slows us down, I think that's particularly hard for the young. So yeah. how was your life slowing down a challenge in that season as well?
0: So when I, um, I mean, I told you, I, I literally could not work. Uh, I was at the doctor all the time, pr- pretty much bedridden. And I think that was, that was another huge lesson there. There's, There is a youthfulness that I was still um, putting a lot of hope and strength in and and just came to find out that's not not ultimately going to work over the long haul of life. And so one of the more difficult things uh, was just coming to the realization that I can't do the things that I used to do. uh, So what am I going to do in the middle of all of this? Uh, And I actually, I read a book. Um, called Silence. I forget who, it's a Japanese guy that wrote the book and I can't remember his name and it's based in Japan, but literally talking about uh, the suffering of Christian missionaries uh, over in Japan in like the 1500s or something like that. And uh, just just realizing that there is, there is a, a slowing down process, I feel like in everyone's life uh, and in this book, in my own life and in, in all the people that I've talked to in my life, while I was dealing with sickness. And as I came out of it, even today, I think everybody has a moment in their life where God slowed them down and that kind of changed the trajectory of their life. Uh, and I, I kind of have that hope for this quarantine, honestly, um, just that there's a lot of, uh, people, I'd say a lot of people in business and church that are kind of, kind of leading with our vision in mind. And I think when we slow down, what happened for me when I was sick and what happens for a lot of people, I believe, is I started to really kind of forfeit my vision and start to really seek God's vision. Um, Because I think a lot of times we think that as uh, visionaries, um, you know, the vision is up to us. Uh, And I do think God definitely gives us decision-making processes and powers within all of this. But at the end of the day, I was like, have I even been seeking God's thoughts on the things that I'm doing or on the direction that I want to go? And the reality was I hadn't. I had more just been, my prayers were kind of consumed with, um, God, can you bring this along or can you bring someone like this along that can help me get to X because you know I'm trying to get to X and right now it's going to be difficult without this, that or the other and so if you could bring that, that'd be great and God was just kind of supplemental to what uh, I was doing and it wasn't just like laying my life before the Lord and just being like, God, what what do you want me to do? Uh, and so I think slowness helps us realize uh, the hierarchy of Of life, honestly.
2: So good, man. I I would fully agree right now. I hate the loss of life. I hate that business leaders are struggling. I hate um, that some of my friends uh, that are in the medical field right now, uh, many of them have worked over 20 days without a day off straight. I mean, just exhausted. I hate that there's going to be burnout on the other side of this, but we needed a giant reset button. I mean, let's be honest. Our world is not flourishing right now. We are going too fast. And that's one of the realizations. I've spent some time journaling. I have no idea what's coming in the, in the world, in the macro. So I'm not going to spend time predicting. I don't know what's on the other side of this. Like you said, there is no new normal after this. We're going to have to figure out next season. We're going to have to unlearn before we can relearn. We're going to have to be fully disoriented before we get reoriented. Uh, yeah. But I have reflected on myself. I do know what God is doing in me. And I know that I'm, I'm slowing down. I think I was already at a pretty healthy spot before, but man, there were parts of our lives that are breakneck speed. Our evenings have been beautiful. Chances, there's so, no reason to rush through dinner. Should we start at 5.30? I don't know, maybe seven tonight. Like it doesn't really matter. Uh, and so it's a strange thing to be working, but also feel like I'm kind of on staycation at the same time. Um, another thing, Luke, that's been interesting for me, I've never heard really high capacity visionary leaders say, I don't know as much as I've heard in this season. I mean, those three words have been beautiful, that it's okay right now to not know. And in fact, yeah. if we pretend we know more than we do, I think it's going to lead us to dangerous spaces to make bad decisions and um, not consult the Lord and, and our teams. So I absolutely agree. Luke, I think your words earlier are are real, and I would encourage you guys listening that if you are grieving something, even if it is the loss of momentum, things were going well. And I was expecting to build on the last season. If you can just name that, when we name things, we tame things. And we can say, this is my disappointment. God, I am so sad or pissed or frustrated that this thing's happening. Man, it already begins to lose some power. So man, Luke, thanks for coming on today and naming some things. We always want to ask leaders, uh, about healthy habits and what habits are you cultivating in your life and i would actually say um, let's zoom in over the last month what habits are you discovering or rediscovering that bring you life
0: i i think uh, permission right now to take off um, you know i went through all that stuff with my illness. And I still don't do great at, uh, sitting down. And I know that, you know, a lot of the people listening to this lead things and do things and, and it's just been great to, to relearn how to give myself permission for something. And I'm still trying to figure out how to not feel bad about it. Uh, even just on a call with some people on zoom, just talking about, Hey, like what's going on with you guys? How are you feeling about all this? And, you know, one of my friends gets on there and he's like, yeah, you know, I just, I'm trying to be productive, but I'm going to be honest, like the first like week I did really bad. I like watched a lot of TV shows and movies and I'm like kind of getting back at it now. And I was like, I was like, but wait a minute, like uh, maybe you needed that, you know, maybe you don't need to like feel bad about that. Maybe that was like a a good thing that you needed. Um, And that's not an excuse to be lazy, but that's just permission to uh, unwind for a week. And I don't know when the last time you had a week off was, but you got it. Uh, thank God. And and he was like, yeah, I, I think it, it feels nice to hear somebody say, yeah, man, I'm glad you're back at it. Instead of just being like, hey, man, I hope you feel better. Uh, so just trying to trying to give myself grace there and permission.
2: That's good. Well, Luke, appreciate you, man. Uh, grateful that not only have we crossed paths, but are getting opportunities to pull leaders together to collaborate. Man, keep up the good work.
0: Hey, love you, bro. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. Loss is never anything that anyone enjoys dealing with, the grief process, and how do we do that well, and how do we gain traction when we feel like we're at the bottom, and how do we start making our way back up towards the top? How do we get back on a healthy leadership journey? So we hope that you found this episode to be equipping and practical. We hope all these episodes serve that purpose for you. Um, As always, you can find The Right Side Up Leadership Podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Do us a favor. We want to get this message into as many eyes, ears, and Parts as possible. So leave us a rating and review wherever you consume them. Share them with friends, invite them into the journey with you. And until next time, we'll see you right back here on the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast.